Today's scripture reading is 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 17. One day Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there, and he turned into a chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shumamite. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, See, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord. O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. All of us have used them from time to time, these little common, cute saying and phrases that um, populate the Christian life. We use them, and they're cute, and they're memorable phrases like, too stressed, too blessed to be stressed, or let go and let God. Somebody said, I don't have a religion, I have a relationship, whatever that means. (laughs) We've all used them. There are many more, I'm sure all of us have t-shirts and bumper stickers and screensavers. Even got little magnets on our refrigerators. Hanging up on the walls in our bathrooms. All of us have our favorite sayings, way of speaking about our faith, no doubt. Recently, I was reminded of one by a dear brother. I'm sure you've heard it a time or two yourself, that favor ain't fair. Favor, is that, is that funny, Pastor Favor? <laughs> Favor ain't fair. It is a reminder to us that when good things happen to us, it is not necessarily because you've been good or necessarily because you're better than anyone else. It's just that in that moment, you happen to be blessed. In other words, you're not better, you're blessed. We got them all day, if you like. You're not better, you're blessed. When a stranger pays for your coffee before you're able to get to the checkout, favor ain't fair. When the police officer lets you go without giving you a ticket, and you drive off thinking to yourself, favor ain't fair. Or when you get the promotion and yet you know and everyone else knows that you didn't deserve it. Is that funny, Brother Jesse? (laughs) Well, favor ain't fair. 
though the saying is fun and often overused, beloved, I want to suggest to you this morning that there is truth in it. God's favor is a real thing. It is his kindness. It is his goodness. It is his benevolent mercy toward us at any moment as undeserving sinners. It is his willingness to show his people at any moment, his pleasure, and in that moment to prosper us and to reward us with good. God's favor is a good thing, and therefore something that we should pray about. At least that's what Moses says in Psalms 90 and verse 17, where he says, May the favor of the Lord rest on us, establishing, establishing the works of our hands. Yes, establishing the works of our hands. And yet it's important to remember that favor is at the discretion of God. He doesn't owe anyone anything. And so, yes, in that sense, then, favor isn't fair. And yet, what the Bible also teaches us, and perhaps you could put this on your T-shirt, put this on the bumper sticker, how about make this your screensaver this morning? That favor ain't easy. Favor ain't easy. Often those who are favored by God are also those who are tested by God. Those who are favored by God are often those who find themselves in trials. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2 that Abraham was favored by God. And, and yet we know the trial and the turmoil that Abraham experienced in his own home. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13, the Bible reminds us that David was favored by God. And yet and still, he spent many, many years on the run, on the run from Saul and then later on the run from his own son. The Bible tells us in Job chapter 1 and verse 10 that Job was favored by God. And yet we all know the tragedy that struck Job and his family because he was favored by God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, the Bible reminds us that Paul was favored by God, that he was favored of the Lord. And what did it get him, beloved? A thorn in the flesh, shipwrecks, prisons, beatings. No, no, beloved, favor ain't fair. And no, beloved, favor ain't easy. But you know what favor is? You know what favor brings? Favor brings fullness. Favor brings fullness. The favor of the Lord brings to our lives 
a fullness, a fullness that reassures us that no matter the circumstances, no matter the tests, no matter the trial, God is with us. God is for us, whether we realize it or not. And that's what we'll see in our text this morning. That's what we'll see in our text over the next two weeks, this week and, and next week, Lord willing, and if the Lord tarries. That's what we'll learn as we listen and we meditate upon the prophet Elisha this morning as he encounters and deals with the Shunanite woman. Favor and fullness. And how they go hand in hand in the providence and the goodness of God. Now, as we've seen before, as we've seen, as we've gone through these lessons on Elijah and Elisha, Elisha was favored by God. He was favored by God. He was given the prophetic office that belonged to his mentor, Elijah. And not only had he been favored with Elijah's position, God had favored him, as the Bible says, with a double portion, a double portion of Elijah's uh, anointing. And so I guess we could say in some sense that God's favor was even more on Elisha. And everywhere, everywhere that Elisha went, the favor of the Lord was upon him. And it was upon him so much so, beloved, that it spread to those around him. Now, here's an important little side note. This is free. Okay, this is, this is just how favor works, beloved. You want to experience the favor of God, you need to be around those God is showing favor. You want to know the pleasure of God and what it is like. You need to be with those who know God's pleasure. You want to know the blessings of God, then you should stay close to the blessed community. Where God's blessings are flowing. That's what the Shunammite woman did. And she experienced the favor of God. And the favor of God is all over our text this morning. It's all over it, beloved. From the Shunammite woman and her family to the prophet Elijah and back again to the Shunammite woman. Favor. Favor is all over the place. The favor is on this woman. And we keep saying this woman because we don't know her name. But we know she was favored by God. She's favored by God. She was a woman of means. She was blessed. She was blessed with income. That's what the Bible says in, in 2 Kings chapter 4 and, and verse 8. That she was a wealthy woman. That she was a woman of means. She was blessed with income. But not only was she blessed with income, she was blessed with insight. In chapter 4 and verse 9, we, we see that she understands who Elijah is. She understands that, she, that he is the man of God. She has insight 
in the spiritual truths and, and reality. This is not missed on her. Now, there's a man of God in her presence, in their midst. God blessed her with income. God blessed her with insight. And God blessed her with influence. You see that in verse 10. She impressed upon her husband to build her an addition to her home. And he did it. He did it. That's influence. That's influence. He built her an Airbnb. And she told him where she wanted it. And she told him how she wanted it furnished. She told him how she wanted it to look. And guess what he did? He did what she asked. Because she was blessed. With income, with insight, and influence. And she built this Airbnb. Not like we would build ours. Some of you have built yours. Hers was not for a prophet. Hers was for the prophet. Her income, insight, and influence were clearly from God, and therefore she was using them for that purpose. She was blessed to be a blessing. See, we got another one. She was blessed to be a blessing, as, the God, as God has said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2. She was willing to give as she had received. She was willing to share as it had been shared with her. And therefore, beloved, here in our text, what is she doing? What is her life-giving testimony to her? Life is illustrating the fundamentals of life in the kingdom, whether she knew it or not. Those who show favor receive favor. Those who show mercy receive mercy. Those who show grace receive grace. This is a principle of God that God has woven into the fabric of the kingdom of God. Give, the Bible says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. That's what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, reminds us that we reap what we sow. Remember this, whatsoever, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Favor is multiplied upon those who show favor. She had it from God. She showed it to her life. 
Not only was the favor of God on this woman, the favor of God then was manifested on Elisha. And not only did Elijah find favor with God, as we have seen, but because God had shown him favor, he also had the favor of others. He was blessed. He was blessed by this Shunammite woman and her husband. They built an addition to their home, fully furnished for the prophet. He had room and board for as long and as often as he needed. Elisha was a man of God. And this, this woman blessed the man of God. And such a blessing, beloved, would be rewarded. As Jesus said in, John, in Mark chapter 10, verses 40 and, and 41, he tells his disciples, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me, the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And what was here, this reward? She had welcomed the, the man of God. And by welcoming the man of God, thus she was welcoming the word of God. By receiving the man of God, she was receiving the word of God. By serving the man of God, she was serving the word of God. By honoring the man of God, she was honoring the word of God. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30, God honors those who honor him. And how did he honor this woman? How did he show her favor? Believe it or not, beloved, believe it or not, God favored her the same way he favors all who honor him with fullness. With fullness. Here we see the fullness of God, beloved. Elisha sent his servant to ask this woman, what if anything that he could do for her? Having been so moved by her graciousness, having been so moved by her kindness, having been so appreciative of the favor that she showed to him, he sends his servant to ask her if there's any favor that he could show to her. If there's anything that she needed that he could help her with. As, as high up as the king or the commanders of the army. Is there any favor that I can render unto you? And she said, to him, thanks, but no thanks. 
She was satisfied. She was content. And yet, beloved, God knew better. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Because this is so important for us to understand this morning. Notice how humble was her response. In verse 13, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? And she replied, no, my family takes good care of me. Because, beloved, she didn't do what she did to get the prophet to do for her. That was not the idea. She did not give to the prophet so that the prophet would give to her. She understood that in her serving the prophet and in her serving the word and therefore serving the Lord, she understood that she wasn't obligating God. We never do. Too often, beloved, we think that if we do this or if we do that, then God will respond like this or like that. And when he doesn't, beloved, some people get angry with God. Get angry with God because God doesn't do what they think he should do, when he should do it, and how he should do it. And they rehearse in their minds all that they have done for God, all that they have given to God, how much they have sacrificed and given to the church, how often they have prayed. And God doesn't do what they want him to do when they want him to do it, how they want him to do it. And they get out with God. Now listen, beloved. God doesn't owe anyone anything. And she understood that. She understood that. And so when Elijah asked, is there anything that I could do for you? She essentially said, no, I'm good. I got everything I need. I got everything I need. And why did she say that, beloved? Why? Why should she say that? Can you imagine if the prophet had come here this morning and said, hey, hey do you need anything? All of us begin to stand up because we all got needs. All of us would shout, yet yeah, some prayer requests. All of us got some lingering problem that we've been praying about, that we've been stressing over, that we want God to address. Can you imagine the man of God coming here this morning and saying, do you need anything, anything at all? The request would fill the sanctuary. 
But she didn't. Why? Why, beloved? Because of this important principle. She was satisfied, but she wasn't full. I want you to hear what I'm saying. She was satisfied, even though she wasn't full. Most of us have had that experience. Most of us have had that experience as little children. You're about to go over to somebody else's house to eat with your parents. And the parents say, now look, don't you go there acting like you ain't never ate before. So you sit down to eat, and they give you a plate, and it's good, and you clean it, and then they come to you and they say, do you want some more? And immediately it comes to your mind, mama says, don't act like you ain't ate before. And though you are satisfied, you are not full. And what do you say? No, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Beloved, the goal of God for his people is not just satisfaction. The goal of God for his people is fullness. Fullness. This is the point of so much of Jesus' interaction with people to demonstrate that he didn't come just to satisfy. He came to fulfill and fill his people. This is why when he turned the water into wine, he just didn't turn it into any old wine, but he turned it into the best wine to overflowing. Why? Because it wasn't just about satisfaction. It was about fullness. This is why when he fed the 5,000 with just some loaves and a few fishes, they had an abundance left over. Why? Because it wasn't just about satisfaction. God wanted everybody full. This is the nature of grace, beloved. Grace is not just being satisfied. Grace is being full of God, filled up with God. That's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14, that the grace of the Lord was poured out on me abundantly, abundantly. Why? Because grace is not just enough. Grace is more than enough. Always, always more than enough. And this is what you experience. This is what you experience with God, particularly when you're not looking for it. She wasn't looking for favor, but favor found her. And that's what we mean when we say favor ain't fair. It's when you're not looking for it. And it finds you. And it finds you. And to her, her, to her word of humility, the Elijah, the prophet Elisha, 
spoke a word of hope. When a servant came back here, she says she has no need. But we know that she doesn't have a son. And her husband is old. And when Elijah heard that she had no son, no heir, he called her. In chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, the Bible says, Then Elijah said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. And Elijah said, About this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And she said, no, 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 no way, Lord. No, no, no way, Lord. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. Listen, beloved. She wasn't looking for favor. But when it found her, she couldn't believe it. She couldn't, she couldn't believe it. Because, beloved, she was satisfied with her life. She was satisfied with what God had given her. She was satisfied with how God had disposed of her life. She didn't have a son, but God was still good. She didn't have an heir, but God was still God, and God was still good. And if you had asked her how she was doing, despite the fact that she didn't have a son, she would say, well, I'm doing better than I deserve. Because God is good. But that's favor. That's what favor is. Favor isn't about what you deserve. It's about God securing your future. That's what it is. That's what God is doing. When God shows favor, favor that you don't deserve, it is God being good and securing for you a future. That's what the Bible says, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's why Elijah was there. That was the favor of God. Elijah says, here are the plans that the Lord has for you. The plans to prosper you, to give you hope, to secure your future, to make you full. Now, I want you to understand something, beloved. This text here isn't about having or not having children. Now, I want you to understand something. That's incidental. Okay? It is about that, but it's not about that. It's about fulfillment. When God gives a child in the Bible, when God gives a child to the childless in the Bible, it's about his favor in fulfilling and guaranteeing the future. That's the point. When he gave a child to Sarah who couldn't have a child, it was about God and his favor fulfilling and guaranteeing the future. 
when he gave a child to Rebecca who couldn't have a child, when he gave a child to Rachel who couldn't have children, when he gave a child to Manoah's wife, when he gave a child to Hannah, when he gave a child to Elizabeth. And even here, it's about God fulfilling his promises to guarantee a future in demonstrating his faith. It's what he does. And so in that sense, it's about redemption. It's about salvation. She didn't ask for this salvation. But God's favor brought it anyway. In fact, beloved, she didn't even realize how much she needed to be saved. But God did. Because God's desire, God's desire for her to have a son was even greater than her own. And that's what salvation is. That's what salvation is, beloved. God desires you and I to be saved even more than we do. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he sent Jesus. And like this Shunammite woman, you know what the Bible says. You know what the prophet says. You know what the prophet says to the people of God who don't even know what they need from God. He says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto you a son is born. Unto you a child is born. Given. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says that God showed his love for us in sending Christ before we even knew that we needed him. That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God, showing that he knows our needs before we know them and sending what we need to fulfill his promises and to secure our future. This was not her plan. This was God's plan. And salvation is always God's plan. This is not how she was orchestrating things. This is how God was orchestrating things. To save her. This is how God orchestrates our lives to save us. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born, born of a woman born under law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. That's what God is doing. That's what God has always been doing. Fulfilling his promises and bringing fullness to his people and in doing so, securing their future. That's what favor is. Favor is a future secured in Jesus. Favor is a future secured in Jesus. 
If you have Jesus this morning, you have favor. Because favor is a future secured in Jesus. If you have Jesus this morning, you are full. If you have Jesus this morning, you have a future. That's what that son did. You do know that's what that son did for that woman, right? It made her full. That son secured her future. And every day, it represented God's favor. Every day. Every day she looked at that boy, it represented God's favor. That's what Jesus is. That's what Jesus does. Every day and every way, Jesus in our lives represents the favor of God. Jesus for us is the favor of God. Jesus with us is the favor of God. Jesus in us is the favor of God. And in Christ, therefore, we have a future secured in the heavenlies that no one can take away. In Christ, we are full. And therefore, in Christ, we have God's favor. Favor ain't fair. No, beloved, favor ain't fair. But that's the point. It ain't about fairness. It's about grace. And God's goodness and his mercy to undeserved sinners. That's you and that's me this morning. And we all, by his grace, have been favored in the Lord. Let's pray.